Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Flats and Shanks podcast. Um, I'm doing the intro this week because I've just had a Barocca. Oh, I've just had a Barocca Energy tab. Um, I know what that means. I'm basically on steroids now. But when you go to the toilet, just remember you've had a Barocca and you're not dehydrated. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it comes out like fake tan. If I have one like in the car on the M4, M5, in the M- M4 corridor, mm. and I stop at the services for wee wees, I often feel a bit self conscious because. I wonder if people, someone's looking over thinking he's dehydrated, unhealthy bloke. How long has he got left? Mm. Not long. I feel great. I feel great. I, I, it's Six Nations time, isn't it, Tommy? So are, are you allowed to talk about being busy without sounding smug or like you're complaining? No. Is there a middle ground? No, no, because you're not allowed to complain about being busy since COVID, all right? Oh, God, absolutely not complaining. But are you – so – um the, the standard conversation um, when you see people uh, is, cool, busy time for you, isn't it? Six nice, but you're all over the place. And the answer actually is, yeah, very, which is, you know, very grateful. But how, when someone asks you at the moment, if you're busy, what do you say? Like a Japanese prisoner of war, but a happy oh, one. God. <laughs> That's Alan Where's Partridge, that? all right? That's Alan, Alan Partridge. Partridge yeah, okay. Say, yeah. Before anyone yeah. starts to complain. Yeah. Um, so you're busy. You are busy. That's great. I've just been to Ireland, haven't I? Just on a, a tour to oh, Ireland, locker room tour God. to Ireland, where I also have Barocca. Did every you? morning. Yeah. Diora yeah, I take it with me when I every travel. Every morning. Milk yeah. thistle. Apparently that's really good for hangovers, according to Reese Williams. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, and any other goodness I could get inside me, like, um, oh. gourmet burger and chips. Yeah. Um, Guinness for the iron, baby Guinness, just as for the sweetness. Need a little bit of. I know, sugar. like people always say, look, if you if you want if you want it enough, if you want to work out, if you want to train enough, and if you want to eat well enough, if you want it enough, you can do it, no matter mm. what your schedule. Yeah, I don't want it quite enough not to see my exercise and nutrition regimes. Not that I've got a regimes, but my nutrition and exercise just drop off a fucking cliff during the Six Nations. Just drop off a cliff. Mm. I'm eating Haribo's at 10 in the morning, mate. Well, I, I got back on Sunday. I did a 15K bike ride yesterday. Just sweated out. Oh, my watching, God. Watching um, Masters of the Air. Oh, which yeah. Is, which is good. All right. And I've just done a two-and-a-half-hour walk with my lovely wife. Because I've got a walk really? coming up on Monday, yeah. Um, which was, uh, I, I showed it about eight miles, eight and a half miles, but I got to do 26 miles on Monday. Train together, stay together. No. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> Lift Are you... together, lift together, stay together. Train together, stay together. No. <laughs> oh dear. Walk together, talk together. They say when you walk alongside someone, that's the best way to have a conversation because the lack of eye contact um, the passivity of walking shoulder to shoulder instead of sitting face to face is better 
Well, if she wants me, conversation. she can she can just tap me on my shoulder and I'll take my AirPods out and say, "What's up, love? <laughs> what are you doing here? Who invited you? Podcast. <laughs> Who invited you? Um. Oh, great. So that's uh. So it says good things about your relationship. Then you okay at the moment? Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Um. Just yeah. Checking in, mate. Just checking in. Mate. Yeah. It's obviously a busy time at the moment because we're away and you know it's tough on them. Yeah. Um. But. It'll soon be over. Yeah. And this um, is this I mean, make hay, Dave. Make hay. That's I've let's... scheduled in Go my on. I share my diary with my wife and um just makes it easier. So when something pops up, I put something in my diary, it pops up in hers and um today she looked at she got up, she was in bits because a rough night with the baby and hadn't really slept. So I she went back to bed for an hour before I took the kids to school and all that. So it's like you know, when you're getting an extra hour in bed before the kids go to school at eight in the morning, you know, you've got up early. So mm-hmm. she was like, what are you doing today? And I was like, check your diary. So she checks it and she's like, right, are we having any time together today on your day off? Tuesday off? I was like, yes. I will be free from 2.30 p.m. until 4.30 p.m. That is family time. Wow. What are you going to do? Monopoly? Hopefully watch telly and eat toast is what I'm hoping. Mm. That's not a bad um, option. But going to the, but going to the footy tonight. So I'm out tonight. You see, going to the footy tonight. Millwall playing, are they? Uh, yeah, I'm wearing my Stone Island. Um, Love that. You I do like Stone person. Island. Actually. You were the first person I remember that had Stone Island. There you go. See, I'm original, mm. mate. I'm and an original Burberry. casual. And what? Burberry. I don't think I have Burberry. Oh, you did. You're growing trousers. up in Maidstone, right? You had Burberry you trousers. Patrick Cox shoes. I Patrick Cox shoes. Growing up in Maidstone, that was that's that's the background I'm from. Where, you know, it's easy to. I know you're not doing that, but it's easy to kind of um, people look down on that or whatever. And but it was the environment I grew up in. It was aspirational to have those things, and it's like you don't. I don't think completely out of that. Um, Burberry, yeah, Burberry was toast by then. It had been taken over by um, the people they didn't want to take it over. So Burberry, I think Burberry's back now. They got it back. They're they're high class again. The problem with Stone Island is like I really like Stone Island clothes, but you do that massively care, but you do look like you are off to headbutt someone in a pub somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that should do some ace gear. But yes, yeah, so we're off to the footy tonight. Bar City against Braintree Town going on. Oh, who's your favourite Bar City player? Oh, I like um, I like Steven. Um, yeah, he's pretty good, isn't he? He plays. He generally plays in. Um, and he's a he's a great communicator. He's um got good repeated speed, and he's got a lovely touch. And the manager, um, seems like a great bloke. The sort of guy you'd really play for. I should have said, who's going to the football? <laughs> I'm going with my two big daughters, bigger daughters. Oh, nice. They're not, they're not big. They're just bigger than the others. Mm-hmm. Um. So we are no, we're getting, we're going, we're going for it tonight. We're going to have um, a couple of darts, a few pints of cider, and then go steaming into the football. Apparently, my mate Samler told me that um, in non-league football, one of the best bits is the fans swap ends at half time, so that your team are always attacking the goal. You're oh, that's <laughs> always good. attacking your end. Yeah, bit of a ball ache though, like having to walk all the way around this side of the stadium. Yeah, it's not that big, mate. But also, I think if you're losing, like if you're getting battered, you actually want to be at the end where there's some goals scored, don't you? No, if, you, you... if I'm at the stadium, this is my seat. I don't want to move. Yeah. 
I'm quite happy. I don't think there are seats. I could be wrong. I haven't been before. Well, it's the Twer- it's the Twerton Park Football Stadium in Bath, and CrossFit used to be there. So I went there a few times to do CrossFit. Don't know if I mentioned that um, a few years ago, but I never went into the actual stadiums. This is my first time at Bath City. I got I had to have a break walking up the stairs of the Aviva on Saturday. Did you? We had Category Three tickets, which are, you know you get Category Two, Category One. Obviously, one being the best. We all went for category What's the bottom three. category. Three. <laughs> I don't know if there's a four. Well, you've got to manage costs, haven't you, Dave? We're all together. So, yeah. Um, but I, walk, I was walking up the stairs and I actually had to have a little break halfway just to catch my breath. Oh, God. It was a long old trek. Well, I was thinking about this, right? I don't like air travel. And that's not because I'm scared of flying, I just think it's too hard. Like I think it's just too hard. And might have mentioned this on the pod the other day, but I flew to Dublin the other week for whatever it was. I forget where I flew. Yeah, Ireland against hmm, somebody. And anyway, got to Heathrow, France. got out the car, got out the car, and walked in. And because it was ITV and they're good at they're good at what they do, I had fast track security, so I just walked into the fast track queue. Noticed that the normal queue wasn't full anyway. There's hardly anyone queuing up quite a busy airport and i walked straight through i said john they said don't have to take your laptops out leave everything in just stick it through me i said take my shoes off belt now you're all right watch now you're all right walk straight through and like nothing straight through picked up my bag and went and i was like what's the he goes mate it's a it's the new machines i think it was at t5 it's the new machines they don't you don't need to take everything out oh, wow take my shoes off in dublin no joke mate I, I'm not exaggerating when I say I reckon three minutes after I shut the car door, I bite the taxi door outside the front. I was through wondering where I was going to have coffee. It was that quick. It was like straight, almost like I'd walk straight through. Mm, oh, yeah, heaven. So yeah. the other terminals are getting those machines now. Um, but anyway, my point being, I was went to wherever I went the other day. Uh, oh, God. Lille for France, Italy. And I was thinking the amount of walking I did from when I left my hotel at, at Edinburgh Airport at stupid o'clock Sunday morning to fly to Brussels and then get a taxi to Lille for the game. The amount of walking I did before I got on a plane and when I got off the like around getting on and off planes, I was like, you've actually got to be, if you were less than totally mobile, this would be a proper trek like i was imagining my dad who is perfectly mobile but he's nearly 80 i was like this would be verging on too much walking for most people mm. it was so, i reckon i did 30 minutes of walking we got to the hotel we all stayed at called the camden court on friday afternoon half past 12 in the afternoon straight on the beers was it and quite a few were doing their own thing but there's a big group we said right let's go find let's go find an irish bar or restaurant we need some lunch we'll go for some lunch we walked out the hotel i'm not joking mate we walked for for how long was it It must have been five seconds found a found a bar at the end of the uh, at the end of the hotel road called the bleeding horse straight in there bosh lee burn lee burner ordered for our table said five burgers and chips five guinness perfect that was it. He didn't even ask. He didn't even ask. 
What we you wanted. Don't need to with you, mate. You're always a burger guy. He just went for it. Um, saw a few. There's oh. quite a few fans in there. Saw Kieran Azarati's dad. Kieran oh, Azarati. Yeah. yeah, his old man was in there. Um, it was heaving. Dublin was heaving with Welsh fans. I just uh, oh, just great. got off the phone to Gethin Hughes. You know Gethin Hughes. He's BBC Scrum Five producer yeah. now. Yeah. Used to work at Sunset and Vine. Uh, he ran me up for about the game on the weekend on Friday. It's Edinburgh Ospreys. And first thing he said to me was, a little bit drunk in Ireland, weren't you? I was like, who have you been speaking to? Um, reckons Andrew Coombe saw me and said it, there was no point having a conversation with me. Ah, oh, because I'm a bloody lad. I said, I'm, I was off the clock. You know, it was 12 o'clock at night. I'm allowed to do what I want. Honestly, so tell me, Tommy, about your, um, just tell me about your schedule, please. So you take all these lads over there. But Hang on, hang on. I've made an assumption then. Are there any women on the trip? Yep, I was. So you, you take all the lads and ladies. Yep. Tell us what your trip is, please. I don't kiss and tell, mate. <laughs> you don't bloody kiss. That's your problem. <laughs> uh, we uh, we left Cardiff at 9.50. Um, Aer Lingus arrived in Dublin. We somehow lost Lieburn from departures. Um, did a name check. Everyone there. Yep. Um, and we walked towards where the bus was. Lost Bernie on the way. Don't know how. Yeah. He came out the multi-story car park. He was looking for his sunglasses. I, like, I, I don't know, mate. It was the most bizarre thing ever. Straight on the bus. Got to the you camp. Never know, you court. never know with Bernie, do you? You never know with Bernie. Checked in. And then we popped out. A bit of lunch. Shower and change. Then booked a bar called Fitzsimmons in the evening, which was like a proper Irish bar. Three floors. Put a tab on. Um, and then the next day, got the bus to the Bath pub. We had a nice little outdoor area uh, where we had a little bit of a sing song. It was only 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 my crew could get in there, so it was a complimentary bar. Um, loads and loads of baby Guinness being smashed. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, go for it, Please. Yeah, oh. as many as you want, as many as you want." <laughs> um, and then and then to the game. Bus back then to Lemon and Duke which was where we had a bit of food, some platters, watched Scotland, England. And then everyone sort of went to their own sort of bar. Then after that, at about eight o'clock, I went to Cafe Insane. Or yeah. Onsane. Insane, if you're like me. Insane uh, brain. And then that was it, boy. And then um, flight well, home. Mate. Yeah. So all fine, all fine. Quite heavy. Well done. As you can imagine. Yeah, sounds it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no issues, which is good. That's good. Well, well done. Yeah. No what about your What about your weekend? Oh God, Tommy. Oh God. Where do I start? Well, I tell you what I did on Wednesday night. I went to Bristol to see Archie Curzon. Um, oh yeah. Rig Rig Biz Pod. Um, an old an old chum of mine. Um, so we I went over to see him and we did a little live show for some guests in a pub in Bristol, and that was good fun. Um. And on Thursday, Tommy, I went to London and met George Shooter and did a, you know, the Under the Posts lunch. They're great, actually, Tony Andrews. They're, re they're really good. Um, so we had a lovely lunch there and that's just a nice day, really. And it's, you know, you call it work if you want, but I just get to see, because I lived with George Shooter when I was at um, Sarri's, as you know, um, when we were at Sarri's. So 
really i look at that as yeah we we do have a chat with the guests and it's really nice and you sit on a stool for an hour and have a have a good crack and have a really good laugh but actually i get to spend four or five hours with georgie which is good fun um mm-hmm. had a lovely steak and then got the train back to bath and went out with a couple of mates including lewis moody and his wife and had a steak uh, which is good um so that was nice then friday friday tommy um flew up to edinburgh and then hosted the uh old enemy dinner which um which we do every year in the corresponding corresponding city in the in the relevant city and um that was great it's about 400 people it's really good crack and quite often there's loads of ex-internationals there so there's loads of scottish legends there um and scotty murray was there our old hey. mate from, from sarries a scotland second row he's lived in san diego for eight years now um just stopped coaching out there he started his own business and uh, great. Uh, what a great guy. Absolutely brilliant. And put on a bit of weight as well, which I was pleased about. Um, he still looks great. So he's not he's not overweight, but I wondered, because he was naturally a very slim guy, like tall and thin. I wondered if he would actually fade away when he retired, but he looks really healthy. He looks healthy. Um, mm. So I had a good laugh at that on stage and did a bit of fat shaming because even though I'm fatter than him, I had the mic and he didn't. And he's not fat, which is why it works. Um, he just hated it. So that was great, but uh, Martin Corey was up there and Leon Lloyd and Darren Garforth like Leicester sort of Leicester guys up so that, that's, that's a brilliant dinner but yeah because there are so many guys there like ex-internationals there you um, quite often you'll have multiple sort of Q&As and chats and all that and the, the organiser who's a, a mate well he's called Stuart Reed he played played for Scotland um, he's like here's an idea why don't we just you, you've worked with a lot but tell me who you think's really good and let's just have one really good chat with one person and he said I, before i could suggest one he said what do you think of wayne barnes and i said he's awful um they got him anyway uh no i said just get barnsley up there for half an hour 40 minutes barnsley's amazing so that was what we did it was so it was a great dinner and then johnny gould did the auction um and raised a ton of money so they were over we did it but i did a bit of fundraising at the start johnny did an auction we did I think north of three hundred thousand quid. For, oh wow, that's massive! For, among other charities, my name's Doddy, and amazing. So it's great. And then spent Saturday doing. A, oh my god! Oh my god! I spent Saturday doing what we call corporate, but joshing around, having chats with people um, at Murrayfield um, before and after Scotland, England, and I did quite a lot of the stuff. Every no, everyone I did, I did with Ryan Wilson. Unlucky. Now that. Or lucky that is now that is value for money. You buy a ticket and you want to be entertained, and you want someone to, you know, have a bit of character and personality, you know, instead of just giving stock answers to sporting questions. He is definitely an option. <laughs> I, I work with him on. I work with him on a URC, mate. Of course you do. Wild guy brings his kids to work sometimes. When I, we're talking about ADHD, right? And he said something like, oh, you mentioned on your pod. And then I, and as he's talking to me, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I said, I said, have you ever been tested? Because he's jumping up and down on the spot as we're talking. He's jumping up and down as we're talking, holding a pint. He's jumping up and down. And I was like, have you ever been tested? Don't need to be tested. But I said, I think you're right, mate. I think you're right. So I said to him, don't ever change. Don't ever medicate. You're amazing, mate. I, He was flying around like a blue ass fly at Murrayfield he was everywhere and he was nowhere um you, mate, you want to but, see him after games like great fun, he's, he's obviously 
better at Glasgow because that, that's where he played. But he does all the chats with the boys after the games. It's brilliant because he's he's newly retired, so he yeah. knows them all. And he's just grabbing people, he's grabbing fans, just having a little chat with them. They just send him out. Ryan, who have you yeah. got? And obviously all the Glasgow players sign autographs outside after. He just grabs whoever he wants. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's great content. Oh, I just, I must say, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, loads, loads of great lads up there. And Tom Wood was up there. I haven't seen Tom Wood for a while. A uh, top fella and met Stuart McAnally, who I haven't met before. He is about 6'4", or 6'3", 6'4". I had no idea how big he was, but really nice guy. And just, it's it's a great day, that. It's just a great day and really, really enjoyable. Um, and John Barkley and Ugo were like on stage before us and they left. And then Ryan and I, I went up and Ryan was late, of course, and he runs in and he says to the crowd, who was here just now? And they were like, oh, John Barkley and Ugo Monia. Oh my God, that must have been so fucking boring. <laughs> like the lads are still in the room, I think. Like it's deliberate, you know. He goes, right, let's, let's have it then, let's have it. And it was just like, that is absolutely brilliant, mate. Just set the tone. Ah, uh, great fun. I, I must say, you know, we always have fun doing these things. You make your own fun, don't you? But he, he's he's the first guy. He'll listen. He might listen to this someone. He's the first guy where I've sat there because you got to be yourself. I'm not just because he's he's mad and wild. I'm not mad and wild. I'm probably a bit drier, and I still get excited and whatever. But I thought I'm not. I'm not. You mustn't try and match this guy. You just got to try and feed off what he's saying a little bit, but he's one of the first guys that's made me really sit and think about what I'm going to deliver instead of just being complete. I was very relaxed and really enjoyed it, but in a I fun way, mean. it was like, what this get, guy is. You wanted to get on the laugh meter as well, didn't you? Yeah, you can't, you can't be dominated and equally you can't turn into Timmy Mallet or the, the off, the crazy guy in the office. Boodle, yeah. boom, boom, watch this, <laughs> watch me dance, watch me do it, but you can't do that because it's not Give me. generously to both dancers. If anything, yeah, so, yeah, I was impromptu. Yes. It was great. I really loved it. I really loved it. And then, um, yeah, early start. Um, Sharpened your senses is what you're yeah, trying to say. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly. That's exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you verbalise it perfectly. But then, yeah, early start. Flew to Brussels. Got a taxi to Lille, and then um, commentated on the France game, which was not that good right till the end. Uh, but got myself back to London that night. So people, are oh, you in Lille? Lille's lovely. Like, no, no, I got a taxi to the stadium, and then. I got went to the, the commentator on the game, which was really fun. I love commentating as you do. And then a taxi to the airport. No, taxi mm. to Eurostar basically is how it we had a bit of dinner first, but you're basically in and out. I didn't see any of Leal at all, but that's how it works. But great fun. Good. Yeah. It's nice, mate. And the thing is though, you have a you have a I don't like getting smashed. I don't like getting totaled on the beers, but you have a few beers every day. So you have a few beers here and you don't have a few beers for the game. You have a couple of glasses of wine with dinner and you have a glass of wine or beer on the train or whatever. And you, then my mate picked me up from St Pancras and he's, I've got a little, you know, a little fridge in the front of my Land Rover in the armrest and he's like, oh, there's a couple of cans of Guinness in there. So, oh God, go on then. It's only 11.30 at night on a Sunday. Perfect time. So you're like, go on then. So you kind of, okay, moment, I went straight to the spare room and didn't get out of bed till quarter to 10. It's bloody lovely. Oh, Good kicking. Yeah. A sourdough with nice salty butter, apricot jam, and a posh cup of coffee. That's living the dream, mate. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Back into the rugby now. We've uh, we've warmed them up enough. Standard. You've got to try and keep them alive now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Ireland v Wales was the first game of the weekend. I think we all guessed what the result would be. Um, I think the only thing that was going to let Ireland down really would be any ill discipline. And I thought, I mean, how much they want to win by? That was it, because they're a total different team to Wales, as we know. They're a team that is peaking right now. Wales aren't. The Wales aren't near that level of of organisation of attack of intelligence I think yet because they're a new team and there's lots of new players in whilst this island team yeah and I mean they did have Crowley and they did have Frawley but the core of that team have been together for, for quite a while uh, to be honest I thought Wales did pretty well um, for large parts of that game but it's just Ireland's ability to look after ball constantly you know their attack just even if they don't go anywhere they realign really well and they recycle the ball well. Then all they're waiting for is like some sort of half break, whether it's from Bundyaki, whether it's from Tigburn. All of a sudden, then Wales back pedal, Ireland on the front foot, and that's when they're most dangerous. So um, I think Wales, Wales did okay. They'd be quite disappointed, really, that they let sort of, I think, Tigburn score that try where he slipped through. Might have been Mackenzie Martin for a try. I think they could count themselves a little bit unlucky as well that. They weren't awarded a try towards the end. Not that it would have made a difference for the game, but just reward for looking after the ball and red zone efficiency. Because I think there was a shot where Aaron Wainwright actually scored the try before he was pushed back. And then it was deemed no try. But, I mean, you, you look at, you know, Ireland had nine entries into Wales's 22. They came away with over three points. Wales had five and come away with like 1.4. So... They're not Wales aren't that efficient in the red zone because they just don't have the power that a lot of teams have. So they're not going to do much damage, I don't think, just picking and going, picking and going against big, powerful teams like that because they'll get hammered back. I thought Cam win it. Yeah, let's talk He's about Cam Winnett. That's what I was going to say. He's been fine, mate. And it's not just, I've said this before, it's not just his how brave he was in the air or how good he was under the high ball. It's... It's his kicking game, I think, which is underrated as well. I think his right. counter-attack game, he's good on his feet. He's a good distributor um, as well. So he has been the find. Aaron Wainwright had another good game. Yeah, 
at number eight. You know, he's he is better and far, better, isn't he? He is, he is. But it is a bit of a one-man show when it comes to carrying for Wales. Yeah. Like, he's the only one that really causes any huge amount of damage. And, you know, that's not Tommy Raffold's job. You know, his job is to affect the breakdown more so. And he's good in his feet. And he's been excellent for his tournament as well. But in terms of big bruising carriers, they don't have anyone like on a level with Wainwright. You know, imagine Wales had two or three of them. It'd be amazing. It'd be wave yeah. after wave of attack. And yeah. he's good in his feet as well. So he's very um, quick. Yeah, he is. He is. Quite, quite a specimen, isn't he? He is. Um, I think number 10 is still up for grabs with Wales. Yeah, what I'm do you make convinced. of what do you make of Costello then? Um, work rate was good. I think he was fine. Um, but I don't think it matters at the moment which 10 you have too much because they're not going enough clean front football. Yeah. So you know, it's so much easier when you're playing behind a pack going forward. But you also you don't, you don't want to be a young, inexperienced 10 in that well, you, you do because you want to play for Wales but it's yep. much harder to make a name for yourself in a team that is struggling to give you the ball you want isn't it like you you yep. think about you think about Crowley dropping into the Ireland team and exactly as you said like I'm sure Sam Costa I, I see some great things and I think he looks brave defensively and lots of important things but then I I think if you slotted him into the Ireland team he probably would look twice the player that's just how it goes isn't it Yes, same as what we used to say about the All Blacks. You know, you could fit into the All Blacks. You and I could fit into the All Blacks easily. And we'd probably still win World Cups because they just play a brand of rugby, which is which is good and which gives you go for ball. So, I mean, let's look, Goody made a career out of it, didn't he? Wearing a massive pack. I'm obviously joking. Goody was class. Um, but it does help, doesn't it, as a 9 or a 10 when you've got that front football. I, I still think as well... I'd, the centre combination worked okay in the World Cup, and that was probably a big plus of Tompkins and George North. I'm not sure it's having the same effect at the moment with Wales. I think our gain line, our set piece is creaking a little bit. It's not as, it's not where it should be. Line out and scrum, we look like we struggled in the scrum, and we're not a team that are brilliant at creating third, fourth, fifth phase. You know, so then we rely heavily on getting over that gain line of first phase, and when that doesn't happen that's when we get ourselves in a little bit of trouble because we either try and overplay and we're not quite there yet or we end up kicking away ball and possession. What I would like to see would be, I think, Mason Grady coming in because, for me, he's garlic bread. The future, right? <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you. It's okay. Yeah, but like, if, he's, if, he's getting, if he's getting 10, 15 minutes here or there, it's like, well... There are certain positions where you can make a big impact in that. Like, look at Ox and Che coming on for South Africa. Like, because there are certain positions when you absolutely are going to get, you are absolutely going to use, be able to get a chance to use your super strength if you have one. But he can come into the game in those outside channels and actually not see much ball for 15 minutes. Almost like, well, there are players being afforded 60 to 80 minutes every week for years and years, mm. and they benefit because of it. And you sort of think he, Apart from anything else, with those genetics, he's got to be worth a run of games. Like, that's, you know. Um, yeah, I've said it from the start. Like, he's been playing that well for Cardiff that he is, he's going to be the future for Welsh rugby. So get him in now. Yeah. Get him ready then for next season, the season after, you know, because he's not gaining that much experience by having cameos, especially against big teams like Ireland. So, 
Um, yes, but but may I, look, I didn't expect too much. I don't think anyone expected too much from Wales at the moment because that's where they are. You know, we they're they're starting again, and it takes a little bit of time, especially when you're playing a team and a well-drilled team like Ireland. Uh, I was impressed. Like James Lowe has such an effect on the game as a winger. Like his kicking game is 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 outstanding. He might sort of shank the odd left-footed boot, but he is he's key to them. I thought Bundyaki and uh, Robbie Henshaw, as soon as they start to get a little bit of go-forward ball, it changed the game around a little bit. But Ireland's power was another level to Wales. What they get from their front five yeah. is different to what most teams get from their front five. And like realigning. What, like I, I love how they realign because mm. you can see that they all know the exact distance they need to be because they do it, they must do it so often in training. So that they all like the second pod are always sort of making sure they're they're not too flat, they're not too deep off the first pod. So when that ball is comes out the back to another ball player, normally Crowley, they're running onto ball and they're either an option or they're or it's put behind them. But they're holding defences. Um, so, yeah, well on Ireland. Thought they were. Um, they obviously deserved the win. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for England Ireland. That's punchy Huge. because Ireland. We kind of when I say we know all about. We know all about how good they are. That they're one of the best sides in the world. They're comfortable comfortably at this stage. They were nowhere near their best, and they won comfortably at the weekend. But they are comfortably the best team in this tournament. But that doesn't mean they go and beat everybody because it's kind of, you know, the mighty Maidstone United might have fallen last night. But actually, you know, in there are certain sports where to a point, someone can come along and just, you know, win, win games they're not supposed to win. In in But generally, you know, that's just, it's not possible. But in a game of pro rugby, you've got 15 you know, incredibly strong, motivated blokes. And actually, you might find that England might have such a chip on their shoulder at the moment because they're just there's just nothing positive being said about England at the moment. There's just nothing. And one thing, that, that can either have no effect on players because they brush it off and don't listen to it or read it. It can have a negative effect where it, their heads, you know, puts their heads down for them, causes them to bow their heads a bit. Um, or it can actually really motivate them and say, well, we'll go out and prove a point. Just before we get on to England, I do have to mention Calvin Nash, I think has been a great find. Mm. In a really good tournament. Very good. Been very good at Munster, but um been really impressed with him and the way he's sort of fitted into Six Nations rugby. You know, his little offload over the top for James Lowe's try was just excellent. They just yeah. they know how to put teams away. They know where the space is and how to get the ball there, which I know sounds Super basic, yeah. But they do that; they're very good at it. Um, England, Dave, very good start for England. A, a brilliant start, and uh, you talk about James Lowe having an effect on the game. I was about to say, is there any winger in the Northern Hemisphere, at least at the moment, who has as much of an effect on a game? Can't think of anyone. Duhan van der Merwe had a very big oh, effect on the game of the weekend. Of course, he does. I, know, that's I was, what I was joking. thinking. Overall, no, there isn't. Um, James Lowe I just does joking. so much, but Duhan van der Merwe was. I mean, you can. You there's two ways to look at it. Well, no, there's not. There's one way to look at it. You look at the, for example, the try he scores uh, around the outside, where he just gasses uh, Slade initially, I think, and then. But you've 
that you've got a pass, I think, from memory now. Um, George Ford is reaching up, jumping up, but reaching up above his head to catch a pass. So that's not a great pass. He then whips it, he bullets it into the forehead of George Furbank. And I think it's I think it's Cam Redpath, I forget now, but someone picks up the ball, gets it to Van der Merwe, and it's bye-byes. I mean, there's still, as we've said many times on this pod, there is just something exhilarating about seeing somebody that big move that quickly. Um, he is quite something. Um, to say, I think I read that all-round, he's an all-round, elite all-round contributor. I think he is significantly better in attack than he is anywhere else. That's not a criticism. I think that is absolutely his super strength. I don't think he is selected because he's... No, that's his MO. An, an all-rounder. That's what he does. Like, he's not... For someone of that size, he's not destroying people in defence. His kicking game, I couldn't really tell you. I'm sure it's fine, but I couldn't really tell you. It's not what he's there for. But I I do love the idea of being a bit South African about it and picking specialists for what they're good at and actually saying, well, we'll work on the rest, but shit, you're good at that. It's a bit like the Emmanuel Faye-Waboso thing. He's only played a couple of minutes here, but comes on and has an impact and oh, immediately look good, looks unbelievably nice. strong, man. Quick and strong. And you think, well... Watch, watch his vision. Like when he's... Because yeah. that's not... That's just off the cuff. He's just yeah. looking. He's hanging behind. and But good, real good communication. I'm not sure who was on at, at Scrum Half there to pick him out. But brilliant. Brilliant ears. To hear him come around. It's the pace that does everyone yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. And just so strong in contact and all those things. But then... Almost like because we are rugby people or perhaps it's just us locks were English. It's like, yeah, but what's he like in the air? What's he like defensively? Yeah, okay. I've watched all his Chiefs games this year. They're running a blitz, which should help him with England. And there are times when he's looked out of position. He's looked at a bit a bit all at sea. All right. Well, how about when he gets the ball? He's an absolute nightmare and we, we help him mm. with the rest. I kind of, I like that idea and... Um, Van der Merwe is not he's not quite that he's not a liability anywhere but he is just so far ahead in terms of attack uh, than anyone that currently playing for England he was fantastic at the weekend and I think you I've got a mate who's a Scottish mate and he texts me and said all we're hearing about is how poor England were and how we didn't have to work for this and that I said well there is a balance here like Scotland were definitely the better side there's no question but I don't remember England, watching an England game where they may almost like we're not allowed to, you know, uh, with a high performance nation, it's not tier one anymore, is it? But a tier one game where a team makes so many errors, just simple errors. I know. I know. Like, but, that, yeah. The Furbank drop ball um, or the pass. I mean, it is great pace from uh, Van der Merwe, but that is a mistake. And I know that's what happens in rugby. You, you know, you feed off teams' mistakes. The blitz defense was all over the shop when Hugh Jones goes through, and that's probably why. That probably just shows you the the combination takes a little bit of time. Ollie Lawrence and Henry Slade. Henry Slade's looking for the pass out the back. Ollie Lawrence and Ford have basically got the same person, and that's where the damage is done because Ford's pushed out with Danny Care, um, but I think it's Turpalutu has just held Lawrence. And it, it just goes through way too easy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be going through on a play like that nowadays because you would have you would have done that in training. You would have defended that in training every single time because that's a standard stock play of a 12 taking it. So miscommunication, call it what you want, just combination's not working. A new combination, 
um, you know, Slade wouldn't have played too many times with Lawrence, would he? No, the back line never played together before, and that's what that's that is a real thing. I mean, it, that yeah, these aren't excuses from an Englishman. It could make a massive difference, but they just looked so disjointed and um so incohesive. I I was you know shocked is the wrong word. I wasn't. I had my feet up with Craig Chalmers having a pint and a and a plate of chicken. Yeah, stew. he, te- he nice. texts me to say that when um, who scored the first try for England? I've forgotten now. George Furbank. George Furbank. He said when he scored that try, you stood up and. Shushed everyone when that. Shh. <laughs> no, I didn't. I was quite chuffed. It was great. A great start from England, but they just. Yeah. I, I, I think fell apart. Probably isn't quite right, but they defensively they're still learning this system. So it's easy to say we should be patient. What else are we going to do? We're we're fans watching a team, and actually, of course, we're going to be patient, and it will take time. But um, didn't didn't quite come together in an attack that just it just isn't happening at all. It. That was a lovely indicator of how England might play, but that was a that was one of the last times I think they sent, you know, they sent a load of options steaming onto the line, steaming to the line at the same time, and really caused the Scotland defenders to think, "Oh my God, what's happening? Who should I hit?" Well, Furbank was in the squad for that reason, wasn't he? Yeah. To, to add more attack and shape to the team. Now, what do you do now for the next game? Because you can't. Uh, there has to be some consistency in selection, especially because England are similar to Wales at the moment. They don't know their best team, you know, so you can't change the team every single week. Is it a case of, right, Furbank, we need him in our team because he's that good and he's been playing that well and he adds another element to our attack? Or does Freddie Stewart come back in to shore up the back and to be a safe pair of hands? Well, where where do you think selection should change? What what I think is you if you've got if you're playing against a team now you played in the backs right so you tell me if this is inaccurate and of course it's not a rule it's just a tendency I, I think if if you're against a team that you absolutely know is going to steam out of the blocks and try and blitz you that it's hard to deal with but there are various things you can do you can stand really really deep and actually pass back really really deep and actually work your way around them because they're narrow and they're flying up so you work your way around them in that sort of that wide channel. And you almost go back and around. That can really work. You can run intricate, really, really last split second, last second plays at the line, like the one that sent Hugh Jones through against England. Um, you can do that. But another another thing in terms of kicking is quite often you'll find that people pelt the ball effectively because if everyone is steaming off the line, if you leave your wingers back, to cover kicks with your fullback, there's quite easy space to access by going back and around or cross-field kicks. So quite often you send the wingers up to a point as well. So you just boot it over their head so the ball is instantly behind 14, 13 or 14 oncoming defenders. So there's a bit, I always think against blitz defences, there's a bit less kicking to compete. There's a bit more boot it long because the further you kick it, the further the ball is behind all of these advancing defenders, they've got more work to do. So to that end, I think you almost don't need Freddie Stewart because most of the kicks are going to be reasonably long and easy to take. So you're better off having a counter-attacking fullback. So I think you you don't necessarily need a king of the air when you've got a blitz defence because people aren't necessarily putting it up as much. They're kind of just booting it back over your head, almost going for distance and grass because you've got so far to get back to help your fullback. So I... I think, but I don't know, maybe. I, I don't know, I know what you mean, but it's not all of first phase, is it? It's second, third phase, fourth phase. Kick the challenge. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, 
Finn Russell is probably the ideal player to play against a blitz mind. Like if you if you're playing against a blitz, you need someone like that at ten. Maybe George Ford as well because they see things that other players don't. And your kicking game has to be spot on. Like your attacking kicking game. I think I think if you're playing against a team like England, there is so much space in those wide channels. But the key is set piece because if if you're if you get poor quality set piece ball, that blitz defense is amazing. Because that has a knock-on effect, doesn't it? If the scrum's going back, if it takes a little bit of time, if the delivery's not right off the line-out, it's an extra two or three metres that that blitz can just gobble up. Um, but you, I don't know, I think... I mean, England, the, the blitz does work for England when they get it right, but it is such high risk that if it doesn't go right, then you're making big gains, aren't you? Huge gains. Yeah, and I keep hearing people, tell me what you think about this. I keep hearing people like, um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you who I bugged into was Mark Atkinson, you know, Aki from Gloucester. Yeah, yeah. Uh, every time I see him, I forget he's about 6'5". He's enormous. Yeah, um, he's, mate, he's a huge lump. Huge guy. Um, so I bugged into him and we were just talking about it because we're, we're boring guys. But he was like, you know, he made a, we had a conversation around Yes, you're blitzing, but if so and so or Henry Slade or whoever, Ronnie Lawrence sees that a drift, you've got to step out and take your man and you've got to be flexible. And it's like that that's fine if you're all about to shoot up and someone makes a call and you change. But actually, if you're steaming up and you step out of a system that everyone's learning, what you've done is step out of a system. So next time it happens, the lads unconsciously or consciously won't rely on you to be in the right place. So it's easy to say, oh, he should have, he should have drifted then or whatever but everyone has to do it you can't step out of a system because then you will shaft everybody and no one yep. you know so you can't just say move up and read it it's like you you almost have to make a call in your first couple of steps or before you take a couple of steps you can't just move up and one guy just buggers off like you can't do you run at you run at full pelt mate you can't yeah. change direction yeah um kicking one out is key i, I think as well because if you kick off source you can obviously see that as a winger or a centre, you can see that ball being transferred to the boot and you do have time, I think, to adjust slightly. If you kick one out, which the nine then comes into play, so if you can, as, a, as, a, as an attack, if you can get your nine involved as well, you can kick one out. If you kick one out, that means the wing has to come up that little bit further and there is so much space out there. So much space. The kick has to be good. If the kick's not good, the cover will come across. But if the kick is good, you're on front football all of the blitz defenders can't recover in time because they're sprinting up. It means they've got to stop, run back. But you do have to be, I would say, 90 plus percent accurate to be able to get outside the blitz. If you're not, you're screwed. It will gobble you up. Yep. And that's where it that's where it can be so effective. Um, but England got it wrong and, and maybe they just have to readjust. They have to learn. Um, I'm sure... There'll be conversations between 10, 12, 13 about how not to get broken again in that situation by Hugh Jones. I, w I would say Sione Turpolo to, you know, great vision, be able to put him through like that because you've got so much to think about as a 12. Jeez, he's some player, eh? He is some player. Him and Bundyaki, yeah. I love them. They're brilliant. They're yeah. just, they, they've got the whole repertoire of skill sets, mate. Yeah. Honestly, they... attacking, kicking games are yeah. great. Defensively solid. Vision, amazing. Passing game, great. Got it all. They're improving. 
like their games are becoming more rounded. They're better players than they were three or four or five mm. years ago. They're, they've always been powerful and direct and a nice, you know, nice set of skills, but actually they are so much better than they used to be. They look really well coached. They look like they've got, I think what you call these days, a growth mindset, but they, they are improving all the time. Like they're such good players. And I don't know, England selection will be interesting because it's easy to say, well, you've got to start Finn Smith because it hasn't worked. It hasn't quite worked. You've got to start Finn Smith. You've got to start them. Okay, it's Ireland at home and it's big. England are staring down the barrel of winning two games at a Six Nations again, which for England, England shouldn't be only winning two games. It's not a God-given right. Of course it's not. But there's a huge amount of resource, a large number of very good players in the Gallagher Premiership, which is a brilliant league. You know, lots of other teams from other leagues w- wouldn't mind a part of the Gallagher Premiership. So you shouldn't be only winning two games. What I would say is that, well, that selection will be fascinating for one. But having watched France, Italy, if we move on to that, England have a lot less to fear from France at the moment than we all thought they might at the beginning of the tournament. They they lost Jonathan Dante basically halfway through the game for a pretty obvious upright tackle, red card, yellow bunker turned red. Um there's, there's. I, I looked. I, I didn't quite know how it wouldn't be a red, and it was, it was, a, it was a red in the end. So, but nonetheless, even when he was on, he wasn't utilised well at all, not really. And they never, they just never looked like putting it together really in terms of attack. Um, they look really disjointed, and it, it looks like, it, I could be talking rubbish, but it looks like the the World Cup hangover is a big one in France, and it's almost non-existent in Ireland. So the Irish mindset has really helped them. And they said, we are still, we believe we're the best team in the world, or one of the best teams in the world. We're going flat out still. France are, they are, honestly, they are, they look a shadow of the team at the moment that we saw at the beginning of that leading into the last World Cup. Um, DuPont, and they, DuPont. Like, I know you can't, it's a team of 15, but he plays in arguably the most important position for him. Um, and they look totally different without him because totally different. Yeah, he he's he's he dictates where they play, how they play, pace of they play, everything. Everything comes through him because he's that good. And I, I've never, I don't think, I've ever looked at a team and thought there's one player there that has more influence in a game than anybody else than I've ever seen than Dupont of France. Mm. I'm trying to think of a team in my head now that one player has that much effect. He's he's that good. He is the best player in the world. And Maxime Lucu, who's been playing nine, who was DuPont's understudy last season or two, he plays at Bordeaux with uh, Mathieu Jalibert, who plays 10. And for Bordeaux, they've just been in amazing form and he's a brilliant player. And he's a brilliant player, Lucu. I watched a few whole Bordeaux games and on the recommendation of a mate... um, Dave Beresford, who knows his French rugby, so you've got to watch these games. You've got to watch Luku and Jalibert. And I know it's club rugby, but man, so good. Luku's so good at running a game. And you thought... God, Shows you the level now, though, doesn't it? Yeah, you think, God, it's Difference. just another world-class scrum half, but it just hasn't worked or it just no. isn't working. And that's why I think Nohan Legarek, the young, he's only 21 on the bench, the Racing scrum half, He's got areas like, you know, he'll put the odd box kick out on the full. He'll try and make a break when he shouldn't. He'll fling the odd pass to Jupiter, but actually he's a proper threat. And I wonder if he might get the start um, next week, week after next. I wonder if he might, because 
it just isn't working at the moment. They really, really don't look great. And Sean Edwards after the game said, look, we've, you know, we've got a man down for a good chunk of the game for half a game and we've got the draw. Could be worse. Defence was all right. Agreed. Agreed. Um, what about what about their set piece? That's because that's that's what worries me for Wales in a, in a couple of weeks' time would be um, yeah, the, yeah. the physicality they've got because they are physical. They've got a physical pack, and we saw what Ireland did to the Welsh scrum. We saw what Ireland did with with their carries, even though Wales scrambled pretty well defensively. Yeah, I just worry about that power. Well, they crossed they. Gregory Aldrich, it's a massive loss if he don't know if he's going to play against World. He's a massive loss and would be to probably any team in the world. But Cross, who played Cross, who normally plays six, he played eight and he was really, really good. He wouldn't say he's quite in Aldrich's league as an eight, but he was really, really good. Cross ca- carried really well, but and but they've got they do have Malvaca's a brilliant carrier. Marshawn carries well when he comes off the bench. You know, you've got Weenie Antonio. You're right. You're right to worry about the set piece because they got a long, a lot of long, strong boys in their lineouts. They get up nicely when they're on it, and their scrum. The problem you've got is that they've got Weenie Antonio on the tight head, and whoever plays yeah. as right hand lock, Tuilangi played the other day, and he actually played really well when he was on. You got a hundred and let's just call it a hundred and fifty kilos with a hundred and fifty kilos behind him, both of whom have got venomous intentions in the scrum these days, and it is really hard. You know, Danelli Faschetti, the Italian loose said, I love that guy. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he's a really, really good prop. But him plus his second row, I mean, you are talking about a 60, 70 kilo difference in weight, just just the two on two on the side of the scrum. Back rows add a bit and all that, but the French back rows are massive. They pick long yeah. guys. You know, Charles Olive on his 6'6, six, six, you know, yeah. so they, they pick big guys. So, there is just only so much you can do if you are if you're not heavyweights and you get properly out the blocks, they they can tune you up. Um, so they. What I'm hoping for is they're a problem. Quite yeah, quite a bit of lack of self belief and confidence from the French team, <laughs> yeah. which is which is going to happen. And is it Cardiff, which will make a bit of a difference? Yeah, I think not you're right, the, and the... and you know, yeah, I think you're right. But France don't look anywhere near it, and Italy at the end, I mean. Capuozzo was the guy most likely to score. Uh, Cello, we keep waiting for him. Just He looks like he's going to star at some point, but he hasn't quite done it yet. Out on the wing, he's a bit less likely to, you might argue. But the kick at the end, I look, I've, I've re-watched the, the last kick, poor old Paolo Garbisi, and I sort of, I feel like perhaps there was a case there for it to be reset. And of course, saying these things in hindsight is really easy, but when you're in it, so we're commentating. Yeah. We're not under anywhere near the pressure that people are on the field, like referees, officials, and all that. But there's an awful lot of movement in front of Garbisi, considering the shot clock is ongoing. And you just wonder if what are you? Well, there wasn't. There was a case. There wasn't. Mm, there wasn't movement until the ball fell over, and then there was a bit of a lack of knowledge. I think from the French players start walking towards it, thinking it was open play when it's not. Um. I think the problem was then he only had ten seconds to put the ball down and kick it. So whichever way holding it, but he'd got he'd got a kick whichever way he's position just before that. Yeah, because yeah, I'm thinking but, he's going to nail this. Yeah, poor well, guy. I'm thinking I'm thinking if the ball doesn't fall over, he nails it. But then that moment then where he has to rush it, he has to rush his um, yeah. walk back. Um, so not not really. I think just shows you. I mean, there wasn't what were conditions like there, Dave. It wasn't that bad, was it? Nope. 
nope. than windy. No, nope. it shows no, the roof, you how roof important was shut. the roof was shut. Yeah, yeah, of course it was. But it shows you how important it is to make sure that the ball is secured properly on the tee. Yeah, because... I felt really sorry for him. He came on the. the I was standing stood stood behind um, standing behind Topsy Ojo when he interviewed him after the game, and with the bits I could hear, where I'm just really sorry, it's my fault. I'm really sorry to all the mm. fans and players or something like that. And you just think, oh, you poor bloke. I mean. You, poor you, poor you, bloke, but it but it is like it's his job to make sure the ball is securely on the tee, to make sure he's got the right tee, there's the right length that can you hold are the ball. An, at that you are an angle. unforgiving bastard. I'm not, mate. I'm not. You're I'm horrible. not. But that is a kicker's job, and I feel for him. But it's obviously he had the weight distribution from where he's angled the ball on the tee. Um, hasn't worked. He's not put it down correctly. So he's only got which himself. Is, which is, there was which no is wind, the first, You're right. There was no wind or rain. Which is so, the first part yeah. of his job. Is to get that ball securely on the tee. Uh just I've and I, I felt just, I felt for him. Yeah, I, I did feel for him. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm human after all. But well, it would have been like I'm, you know, as like you're the same as me. You know, if you, I'm at Scotland and England lose, and I know the scoreboard suggests otherwise, but it was a reasonably comfortable victory for Scotland. They were definitely the better side. I I definitely want England to win, and I, but I I you know I can still have a good day. You know, even when my team and in inverted commas lose, I can still enjoy my day. Wish England had won. Talk honestly yeah. about it and all that. But in a game like France Italy, I genuinely got no vested interest in who wins, other than being a sports fan and being part of the media. So, if I could have chosen what happened, it would have been France to just rampant absolutely back to their best because it makes the next two fixtures mega. I'd love them to have scored seventy points and Damien Penaud to have scored five tries. Because France are just undercooked, they just looked undercooked. They don't look a great team at the moment. Then it switches, and I actually felt gutted at the end. So the, the great story here is Italy winning. That's and the we great love an story. Underdog. Everyone loves yeah. an underdog. Yeah. Everyone loves someone that isn't expected to win. Um, yeah. So in it, terms it of the story, it was a shame, way. but it was yep. probably probably about right because it was two teams that just weren't quite at it in Italy up until that point. I think I said it in comms. Yeah, they they'd shown something approaching zero composure in the French third for the whole game. Whenever they'd got there, they'd found a way to chuck the ball on the floor, lose it at the breakdown, pass yep. it on the full into touch, like do something where the coach must be thinking, Why, uh, how on earth have you managed to do that? And then they, but they showed composure when it mattered to score the try, but brutal for them. I mean, just brutal, but that's sport, Tommy. And someone said afterwards, it's like kissing your sister. It's like Australians love saying that when it's a draw, but I... Mm. I never, I never quite understand that saying. It's like I don't, I don't want to kiss my sisters. My sisters are lovely, but I would regard kissing my sisters as a loss, not a draw. But anyway, yeah. Well, in this country, yeah. I don't have any sisters in any other country. Um, yeah, but anyway, it was a great, it was a great weekend and high drama at the end. And actually, the game in Lille needed that because it wasn't great up until that point. It was no. two not great teams slugging it out a bit, but. Um, to to offer the sort of comment that a ten year old would make, um, shit, some of those French boys have a big mind. You're down on the touchline and you're like, we mate, we me. we're used me. to massive men. Honestly, mate, you've got Weenie Antonio is so big, head on him, he's so big, and then Roman Taufa Fanua walks past, and yeah. Weenie Antonio looks like a fifteen year old with a beard. Yeah, he's so, so big. Um, even 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 Fiku's a massive bloke, mate. Even massive guy, Olivon, so is huge. big. Like, yeah, Aldrit, Aldrit always. I think 
I always think to myself, he carries so well and powerfully for someone who's not that big. He is that big. Yeah. I, yeah. I met him at the weekend. He is big from behind. I was like, who is that? Yeah. So you, yeah. blokes like me and you, we like to think, well, the lads aren't much bigger now. They're just in better condition. No, 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 no. Mm. They are like trees, some of these boys. They're like oak trees. Um, you see these lads walking past. They're not normal, fella. <laughs> like, yeah. No, I know. I yeah. know. Yeah. Well, I think that will do us, boy. It's been a long one. Yeah, um, well done, enjoy, guys. Keep going. Enjoy this rest week. Well, no, I'm flat out again as of early tomorrow morning now. That's it. Mm, all right. Well, try and get your breath back somewhere. Yep. Be all good. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, I'm not that we'll flat out. Chat. I'm doing three days, mate. Come on. I'm we'll on. have a little chat next week. I've got a, I've got a couple of games this weekend. Oh, well done, boy. Um, and I can't, I can't talk Monday because I've got to walk. So maybe we'll do Tuesday. Oh, is Monday your big walk, is it? Monday's a big walk. Well done, mate. Yeah, well done, boy. So you're a good kid. You've got a big heart, yeah. You've got an nice engorged, you've got an engorged heart wrapped in salted butter. All right. Ooh, talking of food, I've got a God. um, got a rolled pork belly in the oven. Oh. And you won't you won't hear this in the edit because I'll obviously edit it. But that's why I had to run off to turn it down a little bit. Oh, forgot forgot it was up high. Um, if field of flour, obviously. If you ever want, yeah, field of flour, obviously. If you ever want. Phil Vickery to turn up somewhere, anywhere, tell him there's a rolled pork belly okay. on offer. All right? Yeah. No one likes pork belly as much as our Phil. Okay? Right. Ta-ra. Bye-bye. Bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah. That's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.